random. Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey, everybody. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Ooh, it feels good to be back. Yes, it does. It will feel very good when NFL football is officially back with the Hall of Fame game coming up and the first Browns game less than two weeks away to the start of the preseason. Very, very, very exciting. Um, We recognize that it has been a while since we have gotten to talk with you guys. Um, So thank you so much for listening right now and bearing with us. Um, It's been a crazy season. Um, But as the season rolls back around, we are going to be here at regular intervals talking about our Browns once again. Um, So thanks so much for being here. A lot of stuff going on. Um, a lot of stuff has happened since the last time we got an opportunity. Go figure. To do this. Since so, April, <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while. Uh, so this this should be fun. We'll um, be here and we'll come to you with a guest next week. Um, and so tune in for that. Um, so first things first, NFL training camp just started. We have had camp for the first two days. Um, we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Nick Chubb extension um, and just a large overview of of the draft and what, what we learned from it. So first things first, let's talk about what's going on right now. Let's talk about looking forward um, to what the season is going to be like and what we're looking to learn from camp. Um, Michael, Matthew, um, what are things that you're most interested in um, in these early days of camp? I, I don't know if this fits in the category of like what I'm most interested in, but I think what I've been most excited to see so far is like the level of comfortability from having the same staff from last year. Like the cohesiveness that has clearly come. Like you hear Baker Mayfield talk about how much more comfortable he is because it's the first time he's had the same coaching staff for two years in a row. Like something I'm not used to that paired with optimism. Yeah. Or the same offensive scheme at the very least. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't even think we've been afforded the chance to think about what it looks like to build upon a solid foundation, you know, going forward for, for the team. And so knowing that we were 11 and five last year and knowing that literally every player is back on offense and that we're going to be able to build on top of that. I mean, Baker Mayfield really in the grand scheme of things is still a young quarterback. And we've seen what like a player like Josh Allen, for instance, has been able to do. He's had the exact same coaching staff working with him the entire time he's been in the league. And it wasn't till year three that he really like took off. Well, Baker Mayfield's really just entering year two in this particular system. And I expect to see some improvement and you can kind of just see his confidence and level of comfort coming through in the way that he's even speaking to the media. And so I think that's made me more excited than anything else. I mean, there's so many options of playmakers and you know, you could, I could talk about individual players for a long time. Well, and Baker's was also so improved down the back stretch of last year that, that you, that feeds into that excitement. Um, one of the things that I think I'm most excited about seeing kind of going to training camp this year. And I forgot what I was going to say. Well, it's been a while. It's been a while. That's that's totally fine. Um, I I will say, were you going to talk about the secondary? Yes. No. So I I was talking about injuries. 
injuries. Okay. So seeing OBJ and seeing Grant Delpit come back mm-hmm. and hitting the ground running, not starting the season out, out on the pup list. I was looking today. Saquon Barkley tore his ACL weeks before OBJ did, and he's not back yet. He's talking like he might not make week one. Ooh. OBJ's full go. He's probably not going to play not on much the pup in the preseason. Right no, he's probably yeah. not going to play much in the preseason just out of principle. But he's going to be there week one. So, like, as far as like long term injuries and coming into the season like fully healthy, having OBJ, having Grant Delpit, having some of those guys that are were injury concerns coming in to camp, being full ghost, that's huge for this team. I will be super interested to see Grant Delpit on the field and see how he integrates and how often he's used right off the bat. Because everything that I've heard, I'm inclined to think it's going to be John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison. Um, which I think is 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 great which, to, to start. Which like, is great for me, work, too. Work but, Delpit in when he can... Yeah, but that's one of the things, like, in tra- in camp, but then also in the regular season, seeing how Delpit gets integrated um, and how um, he starts playing and performing on the field because that's something we've been looking forward to for a long time. And coming back from an Achilles, of all things, is and he's, pretty rough. And he's, he's running. He's not doing competitive drills against other people, but he's doing change all, of direction, all the sorts of yeah. change of direction individual stuff already. So he's, he's going to be good to go. Yeah, uh, one of the most encouraging things to me um, in just seeing the, some of the clips has just been our secondary. I mean, just the thorn in our flesh all last year to know that like that is going to be better, that we won't have to sit through what we had to watch last season. And we're going to have the same offense, but yet we're going to be able to potentially make stops and potentially get some turnovers and have a serviceable secondary with John Johnson coming in. Oh um, my gosh! Can like you, I, I don't, I don't even know how to think about like an effective safety room and some cornerback depth that I'm excited about. And like that can all go away quick if like injuries start hitting. And like that's part of what happened last year. But yeah, but we have man even more than we had last year. So, I mean, we're talking about the things we're excited about. What are like question marks for you at this point in the game that like maybe you're looking to see a little bit more from preseason or as the preseason plays out and you're just reading the news? Like, is there anything in particular you're like asking questions about at this point? I'm not going to say as far as like news is concerned and stuff like that. I haven't read any headlines or anything like this, but I'm excited to see how uh, the tight end slot ends up um, and how yeah. much how much production is coming from each individual player because we saw not a ton from Austin Hooper last year which was disappointing um, and we've seen Baker and David and Joku attached at the hip um, all off season long um, and stuff like that and so I'm just wondering like I've been looking forward to that for a very long time and we know he has the ability we know he can do it is he going to? Are you talking um, about Njoku? Yeah, David Njoku um, and and Baker, um, specifically in that connection. Um, and I know th- it just came out, Austin Hooper was asked about it this weekend, or in the, over the last week, and he s- mentioned multiple trips that he took with Baker Mayfield to throw oh. in the offseason, too. So it's hilarious. I mean, like, I think that Baker's done a really great job. I mean, it's honestly more of a testament to Baker than anything else. Like, yeah, for sure. That he's 
spent lots of time with multiple different players. Like I, I think you're accurate in saying that he has been with David Njoku multiple times throughout their careers. Well, like where's Austin Hooper's film crew? That's really the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a social media game is not quite as good as David Njoku's, nor this, his hair. This does not surprise me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at – I have no questions about our offense. Like, I'm, I'm good – with our offense. It's like my uh, questions go as deep as like, where is Drew Forbes going to slot in as a backup? What is Demetric Felton like, going to do? Yeah. Is, is Schwartz going to get meaningful reps? It's like all those things really don't matter. But yeah. my, my, yes has to be the answer to my, that. My question really goes to the to the D-line and, and not the starters because I feel like I understand how those front four are going to fall out. It's the, the guys right behind that. So – We've got Tack McKinley. Like, if Tack McKinley goes down, who's the next edge rusher? Because I don't want to exclusively have to play Clowney on the edge. I want to have the be able to be dynamic and bring him inside to, to rush in passing situations. So who's going to step up to be that? Um, our D-line, is Jordan Elliott going to be a really solid, effective piece at that three-tech, which it looks like he's going to be playing, where uh, Malik Jackson's good, but he's also old. So... Do you, do you want to give Malik Jackson all of the reps, or can Jordan Elliott come in and and play a lot of meaningful minutes and be effective um, at that spot? I think that's going to go a long way on the defensive how, line. How is... that all works and how effective our depth becomes. I like some of the pieces we have. They need to kind of prove it at this point. Yeah, and, and our the defense could true. be really really good if we have that depth. I mean, I think Andrew Billings is a fixture as the one tech. Absolutely. I don't think there's a question about that at this point in time. But I do think that it's a big question as to who's going to rotate in and take you know extra like snaps there. Is it Togiai? Togiai yeah. or Wilson? Togiai or Wilson? I think both have like as good a shot. I mean, I think they're competing against each other for for reps there probably. Um, and it'll be interesting. And to see. Wilson maybe even to make the team. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. Oh man, we're gonna have to let go of some guys that were that are gonna, that's be, gonna hurt. Yeah, from a fan's perspective, um, that's gonna be interesting to see. Another comment that we've made collectively, and Dad even said before we started recording, was a big question mark on this team might be the kicking game. No, it definitely is. It not um, not might be. It is. I think we've seen like a little bit of up and down performance so far from Mr. Parkey. I haven't heard much from about Jamie Gillen. I don't know if there's much to report in training camp about punting. Um, how, how do you even measure that? <laughs> I, it's probably more of an in-game situation where you start Jamie to... Jamie uh, continued to punt. And he punted far. <laughs> yes, Jamie he made contact it. with the ball on a consistent basis. What, what the, does practice look like for him? I mean, he knows what it looks like, but like the like casual observer, like the beat reporter that's like watching yeah. Jamie Gillen punt, like probably has no idea what he's trying to do, A, and For like sure. B, whether he's like actually achieving it. But yeah. can he really fill the time slot that like training camp or oh my like gosh. is? There's got to be so just much just punting. standing around. No, I've thought about this a lot. Like, don't they have enough space where he could just be punting the whole time? Like, why isn't he just like but figuring out the coffin corner kicks and like done just enough. like but just can, can, constantly can a man like, physically pinning. punt for four straight hours? <laughs> is it good for his punting game if he does? <laughs> he's punting and he's practicing his holds on the place kicks, and that's yes. all that we need him to do. I, do care I mean, about these and things. he also has handled some of like the onside kicks. Like, there's a variety of things yeah. for him to practice. It's probably like, a lot of stretching. He's clearly holds. working out. 
That's oh. for sure. We know this. Upper body looks good. We know this. Um, yeah, no. So the kickers. Um, I mean, so what do you think? We brought in another guy. Does, did you happen to know off the top of your head what McLaughlin. the like, other guy's name is? Chase. Let's look at the Browns roster. McLaughlin, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I know that we brought in some competition. I don't know that he's expected to like unseat Cybert or anything like that. But we have two Parky. kickers. Oh, Parky. Why did I say Cybert? Um, but stuck in the past. Moron. <laughs> stuck in the past. I just he Michael's always been a fan. A Cybert fan. Can't let go. Oh. Um, Chase McLaughlin. Well done. Um wear number three in case you're interested. He does not have a picture. In honor on, of Brandon Whedon. On of the course. Browns yeah. um, website. I thought we retired that. <laughs> <laughs> After the getting stuck under the flag situation, yeah. it just felt appropriate. Um I mean I, okay, here's the thing about the kickers. I have a huge problem with the constant kicker controversy debate and that kickers are always the scapegoats for everything. I've, I've made it very clear on this podcast. Um, I think the thing that kickers need most of all is job security. Confidence. They, they need they to know that they are safe and that they can just go out there, relax, and kick the ball. And, and do because what they know how to do. They've yeah. kicked the ball as much as Jamie Gillen has punted in practice. The only thing that is going to mess up a kicker is if their head's not right. We've seen it a hundred times over. These kickers can do anything. That's why you can bring anybody off the street and they can perform. The only thing they need to know is that they are safe, no matter what, and they will go out there and perform. So, so I, you're in key, team Cody Parkey. Like, well, I, I, would be, confidence. I, I would be team... Uh, somebody that has a little bit more strength in his leg than Cody Parkey, if it was that person, and then we can just ride it. This is why. I'm, so I'm with I'm with Mark on this. This is why I was I was team Zane Gonzalez. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm team Cody. Parkey. Still would be team Cybert Austin Cybert. I don't love Cody Parkey. He limits our ability. I actually, I kind of do what love what Cody Parkey forces our team to do, which is go be go aggressive for and go for it yeah. down because he can't exactly. long field goal where it's shit. <laughs> exactly. So, so maybe the there's a strategic situation. thing there. He where makes if, like, short field goals. If he's money within 45 yards and we're just going to go for it otherwise. What that, if that's, that's just Paul thing. DePodesta's like it, evil it, genius yeah. plan? He's like, well, if we keep Cody Parkey on the roster, we're definitely going to have to go for those fourth downs. There's a market inefficiency it. on like noodle-legged kickers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, that's not that like evil genius. That's not like, that that's crazy. Like, that's like pretty basic like GM. No, I just love the fact that he's like to think of him sitting in his office like saying, yeah. "Hmm, but what's, let's just keep Cody Parkey. What's I don't the added, want a guy what's the that added can kick value it from on 60 a, yards. What's the added yeah. value on a guy who can is money inside 45 yards, but you're not even going to think about a long field goal? He's getting the analysts to like run the numbers on how many opportunities do we really have to win games from 60 yards? Yeah. Like if we're missing out on that, like how much is it really hurting yeah. us versus making us go for those fourth downs in at about the 40 yard line every single time? I mean. Knowing a little bit about the math that I do it is probably the right choice. It, I would love to see the finer details of that. There, there are moments in the game where I'm absolutely livid at Cody Parkey that we can't kick field goals that other teams can, like the Ravens, for example. And it's not fair that I compare him to Justin Tucker, but no, I do. No. All right. Well, if we're going to talk about people on our special teams unit um, – 
that just need confidence and need to know that we believe in them. Let's talk about Charlie Hewlett, <laughs> our long snapper. We believe in you, Charlie. <laughs> he's, he's an institution at this point. Have He's never done think, anything wrong. Do you? Okay. This Charlie is the fifth has year. Never th- done anything wrong. Listen, this is we are embarking upon the fifth year of this podcast. Have we mentioned Charlie Hewlett's name up to this point? <laughs> I don't think so. I doubt it. I doubt. I doubt it. Because and that's the he's best been thing. on the team the whole time. That's the best thing that you could have from your long snapper, is and it he's, not? He's from our alma mater too. He's from yeah. <laughs> Got two UCF boys here, and they never even mentioned. <laughs> We've never mentioned old Chuck, old Chuck Hewlett. That's great, Chucky boy. I just think that's very funny. He's been like one of the only mainstays since we've been doing this podcast. He's like maybe one of the only one players. of one of five. Players. Him and like Joel Batonio. Yeah, yeah. I think those are no, literally those are the only two. They might be since we started the podcast for sure. I can't. Those think are the of two longest else. tenured Browns for sure. Yeah, There's I no can't doubt. think of anyone else who would still be on the team from that Deshaun Kaiser year. Yeah, Miles Garrett was that same was year after we drafted Miles after we did the podcast. Um, all right. So speaking about someone who's been around, going to be around for a long time, let's talk about our boy. New contract, brand spanking new, hot off the press. We did it. We signed Nick Chubb to an extension at. A reasonable rate. People said it couldn't be done. It was done. Um, we didn't set the market, um, and we got Nick Chubb for um, three more years, about twelve million um, underneath Derrick Henry, um, just above Joe Mixon, right there in the sweet spot, like number six for highest paid running backs. For who, in my opinion, is the best running back in the NFL? Um, ignore the numbers. No, and what's interesting to me, uh, so. Thrilled, thrilled to get, of course, thrilled to get Nick Chubb for of course, for of more time on my team. The the hesitation with with signing Nick Chubb, with signing a running back in general, it had really nothing to do with Nick Chubb. Was spending an outsized amount of money of your cap space on a running back, um, and I don't think the Browns did that, and for two reasons: one, we didn't reset the market; two, the salary cap is going up dramatically in the next couple of years. So this contract could, like, it doesn't look bad now. It could look like a bargain here going forward. Um, shoot, I only wish it was longer. Shoot, man. Like, getting Nick Chubb. With non-guaranteed. Getting Nick Chubb for less than Joe Mixon, for less than, or for a little bit more than Joe Mixon, but less than Derrick Henry signed. Yep. Was, Derrick Henry signed that contract two years ago. Yep. Like, this, this is value for the Browns. Legitimate value. In the running back's prime and how it's structured, what's really interesting to me is we have Kareem Hunt signed. We're, we're kind of balancing out the positional spent. Like a lot of the Nick Chubb money like on the cap doesn't hit until after Kareem Hunt has no more money left on his deal and would be a free agent. So we're not, we're not blowing out our salary cap on one position. We're balancing it out, even though we have the best running back room in the league for the next two seasons. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I My thing is to be paying less than – the Derrick Henry deal was good for the Titans. I'm glad that the Titans got that deal. But to exactly like you said, two years later, sign Nick Chubb for even less. 
Um, so the people, the running backs in the NFL that are making more money now than Nick Chubb, um, the list is as follows. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, thank the Lord that we are not in the Cowboys position with Ezekiel Elliott, who is signed till 2027. Send a six-year deal. Right now, he's signed till 2027. Six years, 90 million. 90 and he signed million, it after his third years. year, so it was like way early. God bless Jerry Jones. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's insanity. And, and really, with a running back, the, the most important deal is you have your rookie deal for where you drafted him. We drafted him just in the second round, which was fantastic. Maybe it would have been nice to have the fifth-year option. But then this first deal for a running back is really the most important one. And then after that, you get to evaluate um, for, for what it's going to look like, and, and hopefully you wouldn't be spending anything yeah. near that amount of money. Such a good value. Michael, so, you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. How do you think the Browns front office like approached this contract? I was just going to ask Mark the yeah. same question. Okay. So, um, I mean, I, this is like what's interesting for me to think about with any of these contract negotiations. Because like, if you've like worked and you've like had to talk to your boss about like what you you know you're getting a new role or like like these are like actual conversations we have in real life like these are happening like with GMs and players all the time like so I really am always so curious to know like what is the starting point for these negotiations I mean there's an agent involved I don't have an agent negotiating my contract with my employer right. so that's a little bit different It'd be nice wouldn't it it might be nice. I don't know. I'm a little too much of a control freak, I think, to actually be okay with that. I don't even like using real estate agents. But, so. to, but to have somebody else just be the be the jerk for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about that. I yeah. kind of like being the jerk. Yeah, I'll be. Maybe I'll you be, need the to be the jerk for you. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. Right. There we go. Um, I was thinking about how I. I mean, and this is just the way I think about this deal with Nick Chubb. Like, I was a little surprised, honestly, that he was the first of our extensions to get done. Because I feel like the position he plays is the most replaceable, probably. Like, I think he's an elite talent. There's no doubt about that. But I would guess if they prioritized the different positions, running back would be lower on the list. And so, my take is the Browns were probably really comfortable going forward and franchise tag. I mean, this was his last year of his rookie deal. It was coming up this year in 2021. And then... Um, the, after this year um, would have is when the new deal like really kicks in. So um, I would assume that Andrew Barry went to the table and said, we're really fine with franchise tagging. And we're very comfortable with franchise tagging you this next year. And then applying the tag again for an additional year. We want you to be around Nick Chubb, like communicating, like we love you, Nick Chubb. We want you to be around. If it means we're franchise tagging you for the next year or two, that's great. We can all calculate what that's going to be. And I saw from um, a handful of cap smart people on Twitter, that was about $22 million over the next two years if they tagged him twice. And then I think that just creates a starting point for the negotiation where it's like, all right, I'm Nick Chubb and I want a little more security than having to play it year over year where I might get hurt. Who knows what's going to happen? let's just work out a reasonable deal. I'm wondering if Chubb is the one that take, wanted take the three a, years. Take a slightly longer deal for... Slightly more money. Maybe less annually than that yeah. two-year two annual average of the 
the well, back you said it was twenty-two thousand dollars. Then twenty-two million. Sorry, yes. but twenty-two million would be like let it would be making less money than he is right now if you no right spread now it out over, over the three years. well two over years, the first two years he will make just over twenty million dollars as it is right now the first two years of the deal so it's actually slightly then he makes sixteen in the third it's actually slightly less but gets him a little bit more um no that's just guaranteed dollars so there's oh, like gotcha. there's you know a lot of different yeah, yeah. elements to it um that final year the Browns have an option and they basically have to decide whether they pay him eleven or twelve million for for that final season or what's what the dead cap. Well, it's whether whether the cap hit would be sixteen, they could pay him twelve million cash or pay him four million. On the, cut him on the four million, cut him the four million dollars is dead no matter what. Yeah, that's part of the signing yeah. bonus that he's that he's getting for the deal. So um, it makes sense, and then you're reframing the conversation in the terms of like, what do you want as guarantees versus what we're going to have to pay you in guaranteed dollars, and you're not talking about the top of the market, Alvin Kamara. Ezekiel Elliott deals. Yep. And I think you can only do that with certain personality types. Like Nick Chubb is going to be open to like a very reasonable conversation. And Does I don't... Nick Chubb think he's the best running back in the league? It's a great question. Like, because I think he is. But does he, does he think he is? Well, how does Nick Chubb measure Nick Chubb's success? I have because, no idea. Because he's got to be such an odd but, person to negotiate a contract but with. But also, that's super important whenever you're negotiating contract because something that was probably in our favor is his raw numbers, right? Yeah. Like because like when you look at it and you're like, hey, you're going to be getting paid just a little bit less than Derrick Henry, who, I mean, like there's a lot of other factors around it, but Derrick Henry produces like a monster. Um, and Nick Chubb isn't anywhere near that. Nick Chubb, no, but Nick Chubb is from, more efficient from, from raw. Well, yes, yes. From I mean, counting stats. Talking, yeah. He is the counting most, stats. Counting stats. He is the most efficient. But I would assume most of the players, what they are doing whenever they are like having a dick measuring contest in the locker room, <laughs> is they're counting overall total <laughs> yardage. Yes. Right? They're not doing it on a per play basis and an average basis. Yeah. Um, well, my DVOA is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the EPA? The, did you Did you hear what PFF wrote about me? <laughs> that's not. That's, that's Paul's job. Um, so, Aaron like shots said. So, like, I feel like it's a. I feel like it's a, a great talking point at the table because we all know how efficient Nick Chubb is we we know I think he's the best running back in the league and I'm so glad to have him at this value but whenever you're sitting at the conference like you don't show those cards I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they led with in in part I mean the agent is involved and that's that's a factor but yeah we're gonna next week um we're expecting to have a guest and we'll have a lot of talk about extensions and things like that and salary cap and all that um but the one thing about this Nick Chubb deal being first, which is not really how I, I just mentioned I expected it to go as far as like order goes, the fact that he took a discount really like by all intent, like no matter how you you sh- look at it, like it's a good deal for the team. I do love that that's the first domino to it fall. It kind of sets the tone. It sets the tone for the rest of them being like, so how can, who's, who's how can gonna Baker, be a dick who's, who's going to be Nick the one Chubb when Nick Chubb works there. harder than everybody else on that team, no one ever is going to question his work ethic, and that guy went out and he just signed the deal that's under market value, isn't resetting the market. So then when Denzel Ward is going, he's like, oh, I don't have to be higher than 
Jalen Ramsey. Like, I don't need to hold – like, I'm not going to hold the team back. Like, I'm going to sign this deal. It's going to be good for me, and we're going to yeah. move forward. I'm going I'm to I'm sign a top-10 deal and, and move on. That was That's something I did great. not – that was something I did not consider when I was thinking about the order of this whole thing, and I do love that kind of underlying tone that was if, already set to some of these extensions now that Chubb took this particular deal. Well, and then you if think Nick a guy Chubb, like Wyatt Teller, like, at the oh, same yeah. time. Like, if Nick Chubb knew back. that that was happening – that is tenfold more important than him <laughs> stepping out on the one yard line. Like that is the ultimate team player. Stepping out. On yeah. The one yard line. yeah. That is the ultimate team player move, um, which it really is. And, but we can't expect that from all our young guys. Like these are their second contracts. This is the money making contracts, yep. you know? Um, so like it's tough. It's tough. But here's was... my thing. Here's my thing. Why uh, I am surprised that uh, Nick Chubb, was the first domino to fall. And that's great rationale. It's a very positive outlook um, on it. Um, if the front office thinks that Baker Mayfield is our guy, um, and if you're pretty strictly numbers focused, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think that that's what they think. Um, why wouldn't you sign Baker as soon as possible with the understanding of the market's going to be reset for quarterbacks um, every new reasonably good quarterback that gets signed and the salary cap's about to go up, the sooner we do it and for the longer, the better for the Browns if Baker is our guy. My guess is that Baker doesn't want to. Like, there hasn't been many examples of quarterbacks getting screwed by waiting to do their deal. Like, you look at Dak. Dak waited to do his deal, played on the franchise tag, broke his leg in the – fifth week or whatever it was and then still signed a monster deal i actually think baker is going to be fairly i don't know that i agree with you so i think that's a possibility but, but, but what i'm I saying is like i don't think baker and his representatives are like jumping to do a deal like they're yeah. fine just yeah. waiting until they feel like the time is right or the the offer's right so i don't think they're super motivated necessarily to do it yeah i would agree with that I would agree with that. Um, and it takes two sets. So, And I, I would expect that the Browns are kind of offering a similar type deal to what they put on the table for Nick Chubb. And we're like, yeah. hey, this is kind of where we're at. If you're willing to do this toward a deal, let's we do it. We can do it tomorrow. Let's yeah. do it. And I'm sure that they're having that sort of conversation with Baker. And they're like, we know that if we wait and he plays great, it's going to go up X percent over the course Absolutely. of this season. We're comfortable with that unknown. And that's just kind of where they're at. Matthew's had a couple of beers. If you heard that burp, that was absolutely him. I'll edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think there's a variety of factors. It's hard when it's quarterback. There's so many things like that go into it. It's just it's twenty percent of your cap. I mean, if you sign Baker Mayfield to a forty million dollar contract right now, which is pretty much what it's going to be, it, I think at a minimum, that's twenty percent of the cap. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a huge commitment. The cap that's lower right now than it will be in two years. So sign him for nine. <laughs> if you ask me, that makes, that makes the most sense for the Browns long-term, assuming that even if Baker is just what Baker is right now, I, I'm good for it. I mean, I don't necessarily I'm also, disagree. I'm also in the camp of like, maybe just don't pay your quarterback that much money. Yeah, and spend all your money elsewhere on the team and see what happens. Okay, so the thing that makes me one of the other things I don't think was mentioned that we've mentioned so far about Nick Chubb was Andrew Barry's quote 
about yeah, now hasn't about what he said about the extension was and I'm going to botch the quote a little bit but he said something along the lines of bottom line he is like the essence of the what soul. this team is the about the soul yeah and I think that gets to the heart of it like what message do you send to the locker room if you don't extend the Nick Chubb when that guy keeps his mouth shut does every single thing you want him to do and like carries the team on his back week in and week out like you, you just lose the locker room if you don't sign that guy. And his quote about being re-signed is, "It's an honor to put on the orange helmet and represent the city of Cleveland and these great fans. I'm happy that I'll be here for many more years." Yeah, you could, I, mean, I couldn't. Have cra- a, if I had a week, I couldn't have crafted a better statement. Yeah, in a similar vein, I think it's going to be hard to not re-sign Baker Mayfield at the end of the day, which leads credence to your point, Mark. Oh, for sure. Of like, like we you, are, might have, you might as well sign him now because you're be probably re-signed. not going to be able, you're probably not going to be able to go away from him. If like, we make the playoffs again, we must re-sign Baker Mayfield. Like it is, it is an inevitability that we are re-signing Baker Mayfield, I think. And so I think the front office needs to, obviously it's their priority. Baker might not be, it might not be super important to him and his agent, but we should make it a priority of ours right now as soon as possible because the sooner you do it now is always better than tomorrow look at this all the like, other quarterbacks like sign him right now sign him for as long as you possibly can this is a complete wild no card. matter what it's a complete wild card but we already know that at the end of the season aaron Rodgers is going to be on the market for trade on the trade market available I mean, let's just assume that you like that. There's no other compensation that they have to move away from him, and everybody else, nobody like offers a trade for Aaron Rodgers. I, there's steps that would have to happen. We have no, we're we're far away. But if you're looking at re-signing Baker Mayfield, who's far younger, here's the thing. Or no, looking nobody's, at Aaron Rodgers, nobody's talking about this. Aaron Rodgers needs to go to the Saints in the offseason. Oh, that would be delicious. That would be perfect. I haven't heard Maybe. a single person say that, and it they don't has have, to happen. They don't have the cap. It'd be hard for them to manipulate the cap in order to make it happen. That's probably the biggest reason why. It needs to happen. Anyways, I mean, there's options. Like, I think the only way you move away from Baker Mayfield is if it's a Peyton Manning and kick Tim Tebow out the door type situation where it's like a clear upgrade. And I think you could probably get talk yourself there if it's Aaron Rodgers, but I still think there's a huge portion of the fan base that riots. I mean, it's. But I'm not promoting so, it. I'm dude, saying I'm gonna riot. So who who gives a shit about what the fan base thinks? Like it's just a matter of you can't make plans. Like Jimmy that. Haslam does. Uh, it matters a good bit what the fan base. Jimmy thinks. Haslam does. It matters a good bit what the fan base thinks specifically about your quarterback. It no, is the most no, no, marketable. No, 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 no. It is so, the most so Jimmy Haslam's position. now in a position. Where he has Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta and Kevin Stefanski. I'm not saying and he, he shows, but he does. great about it. Well, yeah, no. He if feels they great come about and it, tell him. But guess what they don't have power of? The only thing. I think it's the quarterback. I, like, I think there's an exception there that, like, it is the most marketable position. It is your franchise. Uh, and I would, would not be surprised. Jimmy Haslam. I'm just saying Jimmy Haslam. First of all, Jimmy Haslam. Two things. Two things. One, we're not making this group specifically is not making decisions based on what might happen and be available with Aaron Rodgers next year. They will gladly jump on that opportunity if it presents itself. They are not 
count banking on that the, being not available. that one but they know it's within the range of outcome it is. and it's a possibility it and that's and one of the reasons why they might be comfortable letting baker play this year it's out a knowing very that limited, that's one it's a very of a limited possible outcome but yeah. yes yeah. It, it is the probably the highest end outcome that that is perceivable second of all i don't think jimmy's not going to care like like if that outcome comes to bear He's not going to lose sleep over the fact that they kicked Baker to the curb for Aaron Rodgers. I think Jimmy is in a great position and the position you want all of your owners to be in where everything has gone really well to where we have some solidarity for like, I think uh, Paul D. Podesta got re-signed to a contract to match up with Stefanski uh, till yes. 2025. Yep. Uh, like that's great. Um, I think that an exception lies and that the pressure is on everyone in in that organization to give Jimmy what he wants as far as the quarterback is concerned. And I would not – I'm quite sure that Jimmy wants Baker Mayfield and he will do whatever has to be done to make sure that that happens. Like, I just think the quarterback's different. That's the only thing I'm saying. Who knows if I'm right, but I just think there's a lot of politics. and There's a lot of politics involved, and that is going to be the most powerful force um, at the end of the day. Um, yep. Who is so none of none of Baker's classmates have been signed yet? Nope. I I would love to be the first domino to fall there. I think that's that would be fantastic. We got Josh the, Allen, the year before Lamar. Josh Allen, Lamar. Those are the only two that matter really, because Darnold and Josh Rosen aren't gonna are gonna sign extensions right now. Um, dodge but a bullet if both there, of them but, did sign, then we would be like, well, you're not signing for more than them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Play hardball. Uh, the the year before that, though, I mean, Pat Mahomes signed early. Deshaun Watson signed early after his third year. Good for him. Are you allowed to say his name? We are allowed to say Deshaun Watson's name. Um, just it's historical fact. He signed early. <laughs> I'm not making any judgment. Uh, who who else who else was in that draft class? Those are the important ones. Mitch Trubisky. Yep. Was Mitch the Trubisky, and he, he, he's on another did, team. Did so Mitch that's right. sign? No, Mitch did not <laughs> sign. I can't remember. Uh, How'd that yeah. end up? So I guess I, I guess on that historical precedent, and looking back uh, even a year before that, it would be kind of surprising if Baker didn't resign this season, this offseason. Yeah, that's why I'm expecting it to be quite honest, and I would really like it to happen. Because you've got... Like, we have the cap space still. You've got Jared Goff, and you've got Carson Wentz well, the and, year before and, that, and they and, both resigned. And think about it in the context of those other two. <clears throat> I can see why the Ravens might be hesitant to sign Lamar long-term. <laughs> yeah. I feel like everyone... I would, I I would be very happy to we've franchise him that. as long as he was effective. We've talked about that from the Ravens' perspective. Like, there's a lot of reasons why, like, you would be hesitant on that side. We already talked about the running backs. Josh Allen... <laughs> <laughs> well played well played josh allen had a historic season at quarterback last year like he doesn't have a whole lot of incentive to be the first mover in this class i, I suspect josh allen's asking for the moon and the bills are like let's see it right another time but like if i'm josh allen's camp i'm like i'm not gonna sign right now yeah. like i josh allen's got more leverage than probably lamar or baker at this very point in time and so he's going to wait. But what about Josh Rosen? 
I kind of would like. To. <laughs> so the chances are decent. What I'm saying is the chances are decent that Baker is the first mover. I think. I mean, Lamar could. They. I mean, I actually he did win MVP, like, so they're probably gonna end up resigning him too. But I might like for it to be Lamar, if Lamar would actually agree to it. Thinking about what the Ravens would actually give him, and how much that would be, and then just sign Baker for less. Because he, he hasn't won the MVP. I w- I <laughs> and that's would. the only thing you say at the yeah. contract negotiation. Have you won the MVP? <laughs> no, that, that's a decent point. That's like, a you decent can't, point. like, legitimately, like, you he, you can say, I will can not you sign you more. Can you run as fast as Lamar I will Jackson? not sign you more for more than, than the rate, like, someone who won the MVP. Two years ago. Two yeah. years ago. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, it is interesting. I and mean, those are all re- valid points for why. The quarterback wouldn't sign. Um, okay, so we're talking about um, how our front office is making decisions. Um, we're going to go all the way back. Um, I know it's been quite some time, so just bear with us, but we're going to go back to the draft. Um, in this draft, what else did we learn about the front office and how they make decisions, how they evaluate players? What What do you guys think the takeaway was from this most recent one? So I, I kind of have a hot take. Go. I think taking the best player available is bullshit because it always lines up with positional need. You're saying like the Browns have taken players at positional needs? Yeah. Yeah. Like 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 I think it's tiered. Like you take the best player available in like your positional in need. like tiers and the positions are tiered where it's like all right, we if we have a positional need in like the important positions, we'll take somebody who who lines up with that. Yeah. Um, like, we're not moving up for JOK if we were stacked at linebacker. Right. It, and so, it just, like, we we needed a corner. And guess what? It happened to fall. We needed a left tackle last year. Yeah. And we took it. I <laughs> like, will say, the Browns have been very fortunate. Like, I always felt like we had bad luck with how the draft, like, played out in many years. Yeah. The last two 2007 years, was perfect. The way that things have played out has been beautiful for us. In that, like Newsom falling and those sort of, things. they didn't have to like reach for certain players, you know, like. Well, it, yeah, no. So I agree with you. I think it has fallen. But then even like things like Anthony Schwartz, like we needed a field stretcher, like. We took Anthony Schwartz probably on the early end of where his his oh, draft sure. grade was because he was the field stretcher. So, like, I'm fine with it. But you can't explain te- to me how that's you the cannot best tell available. me how that he was the best player available on your board. Period. And your team need didn't influence that you were taking I, Anthony Schwartz. I, like he makes our team better. Because we're we're really talented and we're really skilled and we're fairly like well rounded, so like I'm good with it. But I think that there's needs a kind of very easy argument to be said that the best player available for you, right? Like that's that's what it is. It's the well, best because you need a guy who's going to make the team. You, it's the best player available best at player, a position of need. Well, it's best player <laughs> available like the best player that's available for you, like and yeah. like we're not going to draft another quarterback, even if they're the best player available, because that's not, it's not something we need. Like it's yeah. not, well, I mean, I think a lot of the conversation going into the draft yeah. was about 
what position are we going to target? We ended up going corner. I think lots of people wanted JOK in the first round, I right? Did. That I did. That's who like, I was. I was yeah. beating my chest asking and for JOK. I mean, I was very curious how they were going to play things out depending on how the board fell. And that I felt like we would learn a lot about the front office. And I'm really glad they took Greg Newsom. I don't think anyone really has complained. You know, even after night one of the draft, I don't think anybody complained about the Newsom pick. But that was solid. And then we waited for the value and traded up to get JOK. Like, that fits with what we know about positional value in the NFL right now. Like, we took the corner and then when the, like, talented, like, athletic linebacker, like, fell and became a value, like, we went up and got him. I I really appreciate the way that they, like, balanced all of that. And then through the balance of the draft – we, we took depth pieces. Like, they didn't try to swing for the fences. Like, I feel like I, if you think back to, like, John Dorsey drafts, you know, we took the Antonio Callaways on, yeah, like, where it's on like, like this, day this, three. This guy you know, it was, like, like really swinging for the yeah. fences. Instead, we're building depth, we took, which is we so incredibly important. Tony Fields and Richard LeCount. And, and like Tommy Togiai yeah. and James Hudson. Yeah. Like, James Hudson is going to be a very significant piece for this Browns team but probably not in 2021. Like and maybe not the next year. Yeah. But like having like significant Under depth for sure. like on the lines Callaway. Callaway. Camping deep track. Having significant depth on either line is huge and like drives a significant amount of success in the NFL. And I just like it it didn't feel sexy, but it felt really smart. And I felt really like good about our front office and their approach, letting the draft come to them rather than like reaching like you get a sense for which teams are like really eager to like pull the trigger on certain players. And it just felt like the Browns were well prepared. They let the draft come to them. They got better and they got really good value throughout the entire weekend of the draft. And so, um, I mean, I felt good about Barry going in, but I felt even better about Barry like after the draft. Yeah, and one of the things I haven't heard people talk much about, but I kind of recognized in real time, is I, I felt like there was like a, a clear strategy in taking JOK and then taking Tony Fields. It was, it was kind of a, a defensive position that we needed to fill a need, and a lot of people talked about Tony Fields being the like con- concession prize if you don't get JOK, you could take Tony Fields and do a lot of the similar things. Now we have depth, and we got to see Tony Fields on the field because he has had foot injuries now to both feet, and that's concerning on a number of levels. But um, I like seeing that like comprehensive like train of thought where it's like we can take JOK if JOK can't be on the field. Now we have a guy who can do JOK type things. Who can who can jump in and kind of spell them in that situation? And to me, that kind of showed like, all right, we can we can pivot if we get this guy. Now we're running this whole kind of scheme, and it's going to work comprehensively. And we're not going to sure. try to put Mac Wilson yeah. in the JOK role and for sure. Hope that but it works. It, it's like giving me flashbacks of like I'm I'm having PTSD because like old Browns this type of draft that's like hyper specific to your coaching staff is terrifying. Right? Like you, you draft like a positional player and you're putting all your eggs in that one basket that we're going to run the same defensive scheme for years and years on end. Um, but it, it's 
seemed over the last two years that we're going to have some consistency. We're going to be grounded. But in that way, that scares me. Yes and no. I mean, I think it's I think it's different because you're you're kind of building that depth and like breaking it in. I also think we have like the line. It's more of like a comprehensive linebacker group. Like you could you could put uh, Phillips in in that role, and he could he can run and, and kind of play that position. Uh, you could bring one of your big safeties down into that role. You could put Richardson or Harrison, not Richardson, put Harrison in that role. You know, and, and fill that spot. That's not so hyper specific, and I think that's the danger in drafting a guy like JOK if you don't kind of have that kind of comprehensive like framework around it. Next year, Joe Woods is the head coach of the Houston Texans, and <laughs> and all of a sudden, because we, we people just, don't hire defensive we, head coaches, we we play, we go through the roof, we play, have a fantastic season, and then we're we're out of luck. What is, like, what, who, what is I, there's not many people. What that is run the situation Joe where Woods that defense. happens? We let, we like go fifteen and two, and then lose in the first round of the playoffs after the bye, because like Super Bowl coaches don't get hired because they can't interview. That's true. It's, so it's like, what is what is Joe what does Joe coaches. Woods have to do to get a head coaching job? He's probably gonna. It's gonna have to be. He special. hasn't even been involved in an interview cycle yet, right? So, like, I kind of feel like he needs at least one year, like, where he's yeah. getting interviews before he even gets a chance at like a, a job. Probably, to be honest. Probably. I mean, but if the defense is just killer, then it could happen. But let's hope it's almost killer. <laughs> I mean, we really only need a top. Let's, 15 let's hope defense, it's killer, and so. we go deep enough into the playoffs to protect him. We don't need a top five defense. I'll take a top two. Yeah, it's totally fair. But damn, we should be a top five defense. You look, you look at that depth. It could be. Oof. We were talking earlier about the at training camp, about the defensive line. Um, and dang it, if I haven't, I haven't thought about Jadavian Clowney even once, like in the past, like two and a half months. Not one time. He's going to he be so fun until he gets hurt in week six. But <laughs> He's going to be so fun. Well, if he gets hurt in week six, he's never had as much freedom as he will have this year with Miles Garrett on the opposite side of the line. Like, he he's one JJ of the – I don't know, with J.J. Watt. But, th- but that, that, those were his best years. Like, he, he was productive. He was great. He was very good. Absolutely. J.J. Watt. He had Whitney Merciless also playing – Kind of on that D line, which is like it's gonna be a fun. Carbon copy of Tack McKinley, actually. Yeah, it's really funny. Actually, <laughs> yeah, Merciless and Tack McKinley are very, very similar players. I think. Uh, no, but to your point, I haven't, I haven't thought about him. Overlooked, all. and it's just a great, a great ad. Yeah. Um, and here, here in Tennessee, us. he was gonna be the game changer for the Titans. Wasn't? <laughs> Didn't have a Miles Garrett. Got hurt. That's that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of reasons to be optimistic. I'm I'm quite excited. I'm like low key nerding out about Andrew Billings just not doing anything but standing, <laughs> just just holding, holding the point up. of attack. <laughs> Hold your ground, Andrew. <laughs> just just don't get moved, and that's gonna be great. I'm super interested. It'll be to so see... fun to have an actual nose 
Yeah, the long-term play with Andrew Billings is interesting since he's only under contract for this season. But, like, nose tackles don't get paid anything. Like, you could re-up Andrew Billings reasonably at the same rate for just multiple That's years. That's the thing that I'm just still not conditioned to understand is that, like, actually sticking with the Browns is a favorable outcome for most players. Yeah. Like, you, you know, like yeah, that. No, like, he, would, he would gladly take, be, like, a three-year deal. They're like, going to be inclined to take the, like, you know, reasonable deal just to stick around. Like, that easy. might – my mindset hasn't shifted to um, accept that yet. Yeah. Um, okay. So last question before we head out quick hitter besides John Johnson, the third, who is going to be the most important addition to the Browns in this upcoming 2021 season. So we're just talking about defense because we haven't yep. added anyone to the offense. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Schwartz is the most impactful offensive player we added. So it's, we're going to say not him. Who do you think is going to play the most significant role? Um, it's a good call out to exclude John Johnson the third because I definitely think he's clearly <laughs> yes, like obviously. the most significant single person. That's what makes it an actual interesting question. <laughs> I mean, who's even in consideration here? I mean, I would I'm gonna, use, I'm I would, extend I would think, my, let's extend the the definition to returning um, players, injured players that yeah, are coming back. Players who didn't play last year. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. So that that could so be Billings, talking, that could be Delpit, that could be So consideration yeah. under consideration here are Greg Newsom, um Jadavian Clowney. Yes, Jadavian Clowney, Tech McKinley. You could talk if you're Malik Jackson. You could do Billings. You could do Billings. Delpit. Going back to the secondary, um, you're talking Greedy Williams. You're talking Grant Delpit. And JOK, perhaps. And JOK, definitely. Um, I think those are the players. That's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a ton of additions. But picking out the one that you think is going to be most impactful. I think it's whichever of the two corners like proves that they're like really great. And I couldn't sit here and tell you whether it's Greedy Williams or Greg Newsom. If I was betting, I would guess that Newsom wins that spot. Yeah. But and so I would expect it to be Greg Newsom, but I really think it's whichever of those corners proves to be a difference maker and like takes that other spot opposite a opposite award. I'm gonna throw a curveball in here. Somebody that wasn't named. I'm gonna go Anthony Walker. Hmm. Yeah, he's an addition. I, I like his athleticism. Um, Goodson played well last year. I would not say he was athletic. I feel there, like Anthony Walker's just a slightly more athletic version of B.J. Goodson. Yeah, but I, th- I think that having that linebacker that's got the experience and can be an every-down linebacker for us and be just the solid guy that is just there. I don't, I don't need him to be stellar. Our linebacker play just hasn't been good for a while. And so to have him, you've got Phillips who can keep coming along. You've got Taki Taki who can play his role. I he think hasn't he didn't play having Anthony Walker's gonna didn't be play every huge. down in Indianapolis. So it's gonna be interesting because it seems like Joe Woods has him pegged for that role oh, yeah. so far in Cleveland. So he's got, he's got the green how dot. He, how he does how he does there. Um, did you hear the quote? That somebody asked him today after the um, Carson Wentz injury. No, fucking Tony Grossi asked him what he thought about Carson Wentz breaking his foot. Yeah. And well, Anthony Walker was like, the uh, Browns practice tomorrow. 
He's like, all I know is I got a, I got a hard practice ahead of me this afternoon. And he, he like completely disregarded like, the question. <laughs> like, what the hell? He never even played on a, a team with Carson Wentz. I know. It was like, just an awesome. It was just an awesome. Like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna like give that any credence. <laughs> <laughs> what Tony Grassi, what the heck are you even doing? It's so funny to me. Fishing. Uh, but I like Anthony Walker even more after hearing that response. So I would say um, Anthony Walker or, I mean, to me, it's got to be Greg Newsom. Uh, I think Greg Newsom's better than Greedy Williams, just on talent. And so that, assuming that he's healthy, to have him opposite Denzel Ward's going to be huge. Yeah, I expect that too from Newsom, but I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility that Greg Greedy Williams can win that job. No, he no, it healthy. is, it is, and I will say Clowney is going to have a huge impact. He kind of feels like a replacement for Vernon to me. They're they're different players, but like the the impact feels a little bit like like for like. And so, as far as like a new addition impact, I think the two players that I've mentioned will have a kind of a bigger upgrade on our team than Clowney just kind of replacing previous value. I hope it's JOK or Clowney. That's I think what that, I hope. I think that would be good for us. Be, that would be good for us yes. because I feel I feel pretty confident about um, whoever is there in that second cornerback slot. So to harken back to a question we asked earlier, um, what we're looking at like through camp and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I am interested in looking at is if they make any changes to the cornerback room. I feel like we have three solid cornerbacks. So who do you, who do you think at. it's going to be? I don't have my eye on anyone in particular. Like you think we bring in people? I've or? always thought that we would add another veteran to that room from the beginning of the offseason. And they haven't. You know, they, they drafted Newsom, which like made me feel good about that. If everybody stays healthy, I think I'm okay with who we've got. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Andrew Barry brings in a fourth corner. Like, just with the way the NFL has played oh, today. Like, how many, I, how many corners did we carry last year? Because I, I feel like we have five that we feel decent about, assuming A.J. Green is MJ like Stewart, MJ Stewart. And M.J. Stewart's number six. What? M.J. Stewart's six. Six? Denzel. We've got Greg Newsom, Greedy, Hill. Okay, Hill. Yeah, he's five. AJ Green, MJ Stewart, and I think MJ you, you can debate about that. Green. But like AJ Green's more versatile. You're right versatile. about Hill. I forgot about Hill. AJ Green's more versatile. MJ Stewart just playing the slot. That MJ Stewart, um, AJ Green situation is where my big questions lie. And I want to know if they feel good about those guys or if they want to bring somebody else in um, and uh, have another, add a, another veteran to the room. I mean, I, I don't know that they're going to, but that's one of the things I'm just going to like keep looking at. It's so a, far, it's a question AJ of, Green it's a question of value, too, because A.J. Green's going to be uh, super cheap. If he plays well, he's going to be really great value Yep, for a couple years. I also hope he changes his number because I think he's wearing number 38 or something. He like is that, wearing right? 38. And it just looks Which horrendous. Is, Less than ideal. What is JOK wearing again? 28, which is just miserable. Yeah, that's too bad. I don't know. I kind of like that. What's wrong with that? Is he even allowed to do that? I didn't know he was allowed he to do that. Yeah, so they changed the they changed the, the number rules. Anthony Walker wears number Anthony four. Anthony Walker is wearing number four, middle linebacker. Really? Yeah. This is news. 
Exciting. Yeah. Mark news got to married me. this summer. He's been Mark's, really busy Mark's with work. Out. We're gonna forgive Mark and give him a little bit of no. a. Like, oh, there's a lot of players wearing crazy no, numbers. I'll take, so, I'll like, take the forgiveness. Jalen Ramsey's wearing like, number five now, which was oh. his college number. No, it wasn't. He wore number eight in college. Oh, that's weird. You're right. I think you wore number five at BA. You know which one? Oh, that's probably what I remember. <laughs> yeah. Which is Brent, just... which is Brentwood Academy, a little private school right down the street from where we're recording right now in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, the one that's weird to me that I don't like is Kyle Pitts. I think picked number eight. eight. Yeah, Kyle Pitts is wearing eight, but he wore eighty four in college. So like, why are you? What the hell, man? Just you can stick, stick with, with that eighty four. Um, yeah. who who else is wearing crazy numbers? Uh, Sterling Shepard went back to three. His college number. There's a lot, which of is cool. A lot of wide receivers. I'm surprised there haven't been sense. more Browns that have gone to. We a really, single d- digit we really don't have many number to be honest. I mean, the only one that's like outside of the range was is Anthony it's Walker. Anthony Walker. Really. Anthony Walker and JOK are really the only two. Um, we don't have Jamar Chase. Is, Jamar Chase is wearing number one. That's cool. I like wide receivers wearing single digit numbers. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. 28, though, on a linebacker is it's rough. For Questionable. Me. Questionable. I just I don't know how to. I'm fine with there, linebackers. There's not, a, there's not a single person on the defense that should be wearing number 28. In nope. fact, nobody should be wearing number 28. You don't like 28? Who, who, what position 28? is that? That's a corner to me. Name who? another, name name another 28. 28. <laughs> That's a good question. It's <laughs> a very good name question. Name someone you remotely respect. Name anybody who wore 28. Didn't Lee Bodden wear 28? 20. Mm. Eight and the zero look very similar. <laughs> yeah, they do. Just the line in between. Um, all right. Well, as uh, Michael fact-checks that, that'll be, uh, that'll be the conclusion of the podcast. Be sure to tune in next week as we have a guest on. We're going to be talking all things salary cap and extensions on the he did wear 28 for the Browns. i was oh, right no! <laughs> suck on that Damn oh it. <laughs> big dub big dub for michael sorry matthew that's how this podcast has to end but it does um and uh, we'll be talking all things salary cap next week so be sure to tune in more extensions coming our way hopefully for the browns um and we will see you again next week Most importantly, go Browns. Go Browns.